Hello, this is Jack from Conscious Cup Coffee and Cook Street Coffee in Barrington and Crystal Lake, Illinois. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nessman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center where the excitement is mounting. And I think I hear something now. Uh, uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. What a sight, ladies and gentlemen, what a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to, to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. There's no parachutes yet. shopping mall has just been bombed with live turkey. <laughs> Film at 11. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. And welcome to the show. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Howdy. I'm just adjusting my headset here, my level. 
Because, I'm trying to get the mic stand to stay. Um, okay. There we go. Any other technical things we need to take care of here first? Yes. By the way. I think we're good. Yeah. And, uh, oh, oh, the man is standing yeah. now. See? Wow. He thought he was going to sit and do the show, <laughs> but now he's... He sees the two of us standing, and yeah. so uh, William Moss, He's the garden relaxing now. William Moss, the garden boss, needs to stand up uh, as well. Get that, get the juices flowing, dude. Yeah, no, gotta move around some. Yeah, there we are, and uh, we're very pleased to have uh, Mr. Moss back on the program here, uh, fresh from his visit to the Chicago Botanic Garden yesterday, where he says he had a perfect. Disaster. So we're going to. That's a perfect storm. <laughs> oh, perfect storm that actually turned into a success. See, and that's the thing. What you do is you, you, uh, uh, unlike me, where I I snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> uh, William does the opposite. I try uh, my best. I try my best. So. so we're going to talk about that. I have to make a reference to the top of the show. One of the great lines, uh, television lines of all time. Oh, can we have? Can I have that? Uh... Oh no, I didn't want to play that. No, wait a second. That started. Speaking of technical issues. Uh, yeah, really. I thought I had. I, I thought I had this down, but no. I, 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 you know, that's going to be later in the show. What I was trying to do is play this. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Okay, there we are. Well, can't they? Uh, from WKRP, well, not the way uh, we raise them anymore. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but uh, barely walked the way we raise them. <laughs> one of the great show segments, comedy bits of all time. You mm-hmm. heard at the top of the show, and I had to give tribute to it. Well, that's in honor of Thanksgiving coming up. So as we get into the holidays, folks know that I play more and more holiday stuff. Uh, it will it will show up in the show, uh, and then they. Then Mark Zuckerberg will cut me off, and he'll just say, no, you can't do that anymore. Actually, most of the stuff I have is so old, he doesn't even know it exists. You know, you pull it out of the the creaky old vaults. Um, And I did say we have uh, William Moss, the garden boss. Your website again is? Getoutandgrow.org. Getoutandgrow.org. And I imagine you spell A-N-D. You don't have it. No no ampersands allowed. Raise the mic a little bit there. They don't really take well. Ampersands don't. No. And if you you know, one of the things you find out putting podcasts up as well is if you try to sneak an ampersand in there, it'll make the whole thing crash. It'll just, everything Mm -hmm. just. And I don't understand that. Hey, you, hey, you, you geeks there, you nerds who are putting stuff together. Uh, and I think we're about to break here, Randall. We're going to need some music, dude. I think so. That's what I thought. Okay, uh-huh. he was busy. All right, we'll finish that story when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We hope you stick around. This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, summer light in the middle of winter. From boat 
to rooftop? Ho, ho, ho. Yep, enjoy wild Alaskan seafood harvest this holiday season or give it as a gift. The Sitka Salmon Shares Holiday Box includes the highest quality sustainable seafood items for you and the people on your gift list. Keita and Coho Salmon, Pacific Cod, one grilling plank, two specialty spice rubs, one pin bone removal guide, and three holiday-themed recipes. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Happy holidays from their fishing families to yours. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Do you think I'm going to get blocked for this, too? Do you think Zuckerberg knows what this is? Absolutely No, I don't think so. Just keep, you just have to keep don't, talking. Don't taunt him. I just keep yeah. talking over it so, down so, it, so, so it messes with their algorithm. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. And that's one of the traditions of uh, Thanksgiving uh, on a certain radio station mm-hmm. in Chicago that uh, is not this station. Uh, and it will be about the same time, but it's on Thursday. Um, they play the whole hour and 17 minutes. No, it's like 27 minutes or something like it, that of it's Alice's. Long. It's long. It goes for a while. I'm but it's cool. just it's finishing tr- whatever I'm cooking at that But it point. does have a reference to Thanksgiving yes. in there, and that's that's why that is one of the traditions of Thanksgiving. Welcome back. And uh, as I said, William Moss, the garden boss, is here. And uh, you got to tell your story. We're going to start with your story because I haven't heard it yet. All right. Uh, you, were, you were out at uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden teaching people how to do bulbs and containers, right? How to force bulbs. Yeah. yeah. All right. You're going to need to talk right into that. How to, how to force the bulbs. There we are. Um, yeah. Well, Force them to do what? Get you coffee? To tie, uh, well, that, tie your shoelaces? That's a different class. This, <laughs> was, this was forcing them on how to bloom. How especially, to bloom. Especially how what? To get... Bulbs don't know how to bloom? Come on. That's, that's, that's innate. That's well, part of their the, nature. The whole thing is to force them to do it at the different time. We don't want them to bloom in April. We want them to bloom in There you go. Around January, February, something like that. So that's, that was the class. The premise of the class was we're going to do some bulbs and talk about how to force them. And then do a demo, and then we're going to actually pot up bulbs, and everyone mm-hmm. gets to take home some bulbs, and they can give it a shot themselves, and they'll have a beautiful flower bouquet 
coming up with fragrance sometime in midwinter. So that's the premise of the class. Yay. And we did talk a little bit about that the other week when Melinda mm-hmm. Myers was here, but we're going to go into more detail. So if you yes. have a question about that, you can always call us at 877-711-5611, or you can write to us on Facebook or on right. Twitter or on Instagram. We might not actually look at Instagram, but I'm getting better <laughs> at it, okay? I'm trying I'm trying to do that. I, yeah. I, I've actually started posting stuff on Instagram uh, just to honk off Mark Zuckerberg, basically, okay? So uh, uh, I'm trying to expand my social media horizons <laughs> here. Right. Um, so what, tell us this story yesterday, Mr. Moss. So I'm heading out. First of all, it's snowing. So here's, it's, like a, it's like the trifecta of things. It's mm-hmm. snowing, so it's, it, and it's snowing really bad up there. It's not snowing as bad in Evanston, but by the time you get up to Glencoe, where the Botanic Garden is. Yeah, it was is, snowing pretty well It's coming down yeah. pretty good. So people are late getting in, of course. That's, that's <laughs> of to be course. expected. Right, yeah. The roads, the roads are terrible. Well, there, and it's one of the first snows of the season, and you know how people, how crazy people get the first time it snows. Even yes. if they have been driving in snow their whole lives, the first time it's it's they've forgotten how to drive in snow, basically. To stop and get out and count the snowflakes. It seems like it seems like people complete. They go back to being like fourteen in yeah. driver's ed school. Exactly, it's, it's really sad. So, so yeah, so that was bad, bad enough. But got there, turned out that the bulbs that I had ordered did not arrive. No. So we don't have any bulbs. So, that's, <laughs> so, so we have wait, so, wait. So that's, we have a force and bulbs that, class with no bulbs. That is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that is a terrible problem if you ask me. And so the person who works with me, she's a she's a wonderful lady at the Botanic Garden who handles these programs. Her name is Christina. She was like in full panic mode. Mm-hmm. The bulbs didn't arrive. They didn't come. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay, we we can see some stores will open soon. Maybe we can pick some up. But you know, it was it was kind of a kind of a kind of a crazy mm-hmm. thing there. So we didn't have bulbs. So people are trickling in. We don't have bulbs, but I will get there. I'm introducing myself to the class, doing my typical spiel about who I am and why why I took this path. And I said, you know, I'm coming over. I'll start up my PowerPoint, and the computer system completely crashes. Now, this not, it's, it's not hooked to mine. All I have is my jump drive. Uh-huh. So I'm counting on their computer and screen. Completely crashes out. So we go through a couple of reboots and restarts. Still nothing. Oh Absolutely Uh-oh. nothing. <laughs> so, so here we are. We're, we have snow. We, we don't have bulbs for a force and bulbs class. We have no <laughs> <And> we, computer. <laughs> and we have no computer for the PowerPoint presentation. So for the first 30 minutes, it was just me in front going old school. I took some magic markers, which, by the way, Two of the three of them didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I took I took the markers, and, and there was st- one piece of paper left. <laughs> <laughs> and I used the I used the whiteboard, and so we kind of went over everything on the whiteboard for a few minutes. And then the tech guy shows up, and he starts working on stuff, and he manages to fix it. It's wonderful. Everything's going great. I plug in my PowerPoint. And the system doesn't recognize my PowerPoint anymore. No. So, <laughs> so, so now he has to go through Google Docs to get it to pop up. So that's, that's a long thing. I don't know my Google Docs password, so I can't be of any service to the guy. So fortunately, one of the students, one of the people taking the class came up and uh, volunteered their Google Doc password and access for us to see it. Uh. So at about 9.45, that's when I started the PowerPoint. <laughs> about 9.50, that's when the bulbs came in because she was fortunate enough to get some bulbs. So everything worked out. And I tell you, everyone, because they knew all the problems with it. I wasn't trying to hide it from them. I included mm-hmm. them in on the journey. It seems like that 
we came out of an ordeal together. So by the time we finished the class, everybody's got their potted bulbs up. They got all their notes. They're all excited. And now everyone feels like it's more than just a class. Mm -hmm. You know, they came through like almost like a training or like yeah, a, or like a experience, a, a group experience. A, it was a group experience. <laughs> so everyone was excited. And we had a good time with it. But it's just like, um, had that been like maybe 20 years ago when I was first starting, mm -hmm. I probably would just ran screaming out the building. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the day I know, you just roll with it and yep. keep going and keep your fingers crossed. And you took the advice of this guy. Do not complain. <laughs> don't hashtag. Don't get anxious. Right. Don't retreat. Don't binge on whatever it is you're binging on. Right. Don't lose yourself in ironic <laughs> detachment. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't right. boo. Yeah, you just you just put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. One foot in front of the other and talk about bulbs. That was that was great. And and so these folks, as you say, walked out of there with their with their bulbs and their containers. Yes. And, and they're ready to put them in their wherever they're going to put them, their refrigerator or their garage mm -hmm. or. Uh, and you explained the difference mm -hmm. of doing that. We talked, like I said, we talked a little bit last week about the difficulty if, if you don't have a completely controlled environment, like a refrigerator, where you right. can put the exact temperature and then you walk away, you got a garage, now you're, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. Yeah. Even better. So, you know. The, well, the I don't know even better. What I'm saying is that you can't manipulate, some, if it's a detached garage, you can't manipulate the temperature the way you can in a refrigerator. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You can't. But the problem with a lot of the new refrigerators is they're frost-free, so they suck a ton of moisture out of the oh, see, so, I didn't so, know that. So yeah. the best refrigerators are the old ones where the frost piles up three inches thick in the freezer, and you got to go in there <laughs> with a screwdriver and hack it out. Yeah, those are great because they don't get rid of as much moisture. They just keep things really? cold. But these new frost-free ones, they kind of pull all the moisture out. So you got to check it more often to make sure it stays more moist. Otherwise, they'll they'll dry out. Wow. Yeah. That's that's such a fantastic tip. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, I don't know if you caught that. That's important. Get that uh, tweeted out there because that's a, a, I, I had no idea. But that makes sense. Uh, I imagine that makes them, the newer ones more efficient and the whole. Much more efficient. Right. And as you say, if you've got the old one and you're hacking away <laughs> at, the, at the ice, I miss those days where you just. <laughs> so you go get a little dorm fridge that's going to build up the ice. And... There you go. You get a dorm fridge in the house. Well, or, or just go get your grandmother's old fridge if you haven't tossed it out somewhere. <laughs> If you can find it in the basement. Wow. Where where else do uh, people store these? I imagine they do like crawl spaces. We we said garages. Uh, window wells. Window wells. Ah, window not... wells can work. And cold frames are typically, if you're doing a ton of them, like the Botanic Garden, all these big gardens mm -hmm. and gardens and parks, they do them in cold frames. So they can just kind of lay them out in row upon row and just go pick them on out. And I used to, when I had my community garden over in Evanston, the James Park, I would sometimes take them and sink them into trenches and okay. then come back and, you know, trenches of mulch. So it's yeah. easy to move. Right, you can't right. put them in dirt. It may as well be in the ground. But you put them in mulch and then you go. Yeah, but even in the ground, uh, you can haul it out assuming the ground isn't frozen. Assuming it's not frozen. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if it is, if yeah, frozen, you're waiting. It's stuck. Till, yeah, it's stuck. But, <laughs> but the mulch, you can easily move even if it's cold. So I would put it in a trench of mulch and then pull them out. That works pretty good unless. The squirrels come by. For me, it was Vols. You know, Vols okay. to me are are, are, are are like Satan's assistants. <laughs> they, Wait, they, that's chipmunks. <laughs> Vols, Vols. No, nobody's ever actually ever seen a Vol. They're just, uh, you They're know. They're those mystery critters. In fact, what Vols do is they dress up in chipmunk suits, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that chipmunks oh, get all the blame. I don't right, know if you realize right, that. Right, right, right. 
But so, so the Vols have gone after your your bulbs in the oh, past. Oh, quite often. The Vols love lilies. They love tulips. They love trillium. They love all those ones that are, that we prize so much. They mm-hmm. love them. The good thing is they don't eat daffodils. But uh, funny well, story about Vols. Nothing eats da- daffodils, right? Nothing eats daffodils. Yeah. Funny story about Vols. So I okay, was growing. So here, here we are at my, my garden at James Park. And so I have all of these uh, crocus I want to grow. I love crocus. But crocus are basically rodent food. If you mm-hmm. put crocus out, you're inviting rodents. So, but, so, so I figured what I would like do. Like tulips. It's like chocolate, putting out chocolate, you know? I figured I would put the crocus in. So I put like four or 500 crocus. And then I put alliums on top of them, little small early blooming mm-hmm. alliums, allium mollies. Those ones that are small, yeah, not the big yeah. tall ones, but the smaller right, ones. Right, And I said, because they don't like the, the onions. So, so what I figured would happen is that they'd go down there, see the, see the onion, maybe take a bite, ugh, be done with it, and leave my crocus alone. That's all <laughs> I wanted to do, leave my okay. crocus alone. So... I come over, it's probably like January, February, snow's on the ground. I look down, and I see an onion above the ground. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what happened here. We must have tried one and didn't, didn't like it. Come back a week later when there's, when there's more snow melt, it's not one onion, it's a pile of onions. So what these little, I'll keep it clean. Keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> what All these right. little rodents. These little. There you go. Yeah. Randall's <laughs> pointing at you. Have done. He's, they he's, have, he's got his finger on the, on the panic button in there. What they have done is they have dug up like 100, 200 of the allium, piled them up on top of the ground, and now they're living underneath eating the crocus. <laughs> maybe, maybe like one or two crocus came up, and they killed all the allium because they put them on top of the ground for the wintertime. So they're smart, too. They're not just insidious. They're also smart. Wow. Yeah. I, was, I never tried crocus again at that garden. You know, you got to learn your lesson sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's just... Sometimes you, you cannot beat the vole or the raccoon or whatever it is. You know, don't don't grow corn if you live in Evanston. Or you're never you're never going to get the corn. Your raccoon's going to come get it the day before it's ripe. So you know you got to learn. Sometimes it's uh, like a pear tree. You will never be able to harvest pears. No, 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 no. If you unless you keep it very short and uh, covered, <laughs> you're never going to get a pear. So, oh, you were going to ask I was going to say, going back to the bulbs. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, the original back. thing we were talking about. Forcing um, bulbs. Mm-hmm. Forcing bulbs, not for the chipmunks and the voles, but, right. but for us. Um, so if we're getting started right now, mm-hmm. what's an ideal temperature to keep them at? How long would they be so, um, in process? You want to try to go through a winter. So here's the thing you got to remember about forcing hardy bulbs, the daffodils, the tulips, the hyacinths, is you have to simulate winter and, and early spring for mm-hmm. them to get them to bloom. So the hardest part is to, is to keep those temperatures right. So for wintertime, you want temperatures between 35 and 55. That's ideal. You can go as low as 28, but, you know, sand, most refrigerators are around 35. And most, and most garages in mm-hmm. winter, even unheated, are about 30, 35 degrees. So they'll be fine. So if you can keep them in those places, uh, they'll be fine. But it takes about 12 weeks. Now, that's not exact because sometimes if you're in an unheated garage, Temperatures may fluctuate a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you got to check it every couple weeks, go out and look for uh, growth. Make sure there's no visible signs of fungus. Pick the pot up, look underneath, make sure that the roots are growing out the mm-hmm. holes, all that stuff, put it back down. If it's really dry, I mean, if you put your finger into that first knuckle and it's bone dry, then you can give it a little water. But what I say water the first time, when you first put them in, soak the whole thing. Put it in the sink, run water up the side of the pot, Pour water on the top, make sure it's completely saturated, take it out, let it dry for a couple of hours, and then you should not have to water it again until it's starting to bloom, if everything is done right. Okay. But still check it. You know, Just check just to make mm-hmm. sure. So every two weeks you're going to look, 
at one time you're going to go out there and the sprouts are going to be sticking up about an inch tall. That's when they're ready to start. That's when you want to take it from winter and put it into the springtime. And I find that winter, the, the, the 12 weeks where you're simulating winter is much easier than the two weeks where you got to simulate spring. Because, <laughs> because it's usually about February. You can't leave it outdoors. You got to bring it inside. And the problem with our homes inside, they're 72 degrees. Yeah. That's summertime. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're really dry. And also. they're extremely dry. So what you have to do is you got to find that place in your house. And it's not easy, but you got to find a place in your house near a window, by a drafty window, maybe in a vestibule. Kind of the opposite of what you do with your tropicals. They always say, keep them away from the mm-hmm. drafty window. But you're saying with, the, with the, the bulbs, take them to a drafty window. Put them in a drafty window somewhere. And also pull that shade down so that they get all that cool coming from the window but not any of the heat coming from the house. So mm-hmm. pull the shade or the curtain, close them up, leave them in that window for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and then they'll go through their spring, and that's when they put their leaves up, and that's when they get their flower set. And after about two weeks, they should be ready to bloom. Now you no longer care about the bulbs. Now you're not a hold of cultures anymore. Now you're an interior designer. <laughs> now you put them where you want to look at them, you know, and the bulbs yeah. are suffering. That's fine because you want to see the flowers. You want them to bloom. What? temperature is the spring sh- supposed to be when you put them in the spring I, for two weeks? Ideally, that would be between 45 and 65. And no one likes their home at 45 degrees. No, no, you can, <laughs> you can, you can no do it in my house. <laughs> our, our, thermo- our, our thermostat is set at 63. Okay. So they do okay in my in my house. They do okay at your house. You put, yeah. you put them in a bright sunny window. And at window. night, it's 55, so they'd be even happier. Oh, man, you're like a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just don't like paying the gas bill. That's a... <laughs> you took Jimmy Carter's advice. I did. A sweater. I, I, what do you think I'm wearing here? I got the parka. This this stays on all day. Okay. Uh yeah. Well, I you know I used to go to my my mom's place and they it'd be eighty. Of course they were old old folks. But they were eighty degrees though, and I'd say, hey hey, can we crank this down a little bit? This is crazy. Uh, but a lot of people like it that warm. And uh, I just, like I said, yeah, you're right. Jimmy Carter, I put on yeah. a sweater. Yeah, that's too warm. 80 degrees is, that's that's my grandma too. That's too warm for me or plant life. You know, that's just, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got to take a short break here. Um, we've got some other stuff we want to talk about real quick in like, in like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite bulbs to force? What do you think perform the best? Hyacinths do fantastic and early blooming daffodils. So, you know, your ice follies, your tay-to-tays, things like that. Okay, cool. There you go. 877-711-5611 if you want to join in the conversation. That's William Moss, the garden boss. Getoutandgrow.com or org? Org. Org. Okay. Got that right. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More garden talk when we come back. Now, for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December, back in 1 BC. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. 
You'll go down in history. Go to FrozenRobins.com or contact me, Mike, at MikeNovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Yeah! Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X. The award-winning all-electric SUV and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at IllinoisSolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world this is your talk wcgo hang on cause it's good love to eat turkey like a good boy should cause it's turkey to eat so good that clapping's messing my head up man <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and uh, another... Cl- you know, I've decided that Adam Sandler, uh, no matter what happens for the rest of his life, you're going to always be able to Google him and find <laughs> a song about Hanukkah and a song about Thanksgiving. And, you know, that's his... He's 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 made history, so mm-hmm. that's it. He's always going to be there. People are always going to be yep. uh, checking it out. Uh, we've got William Moss in the studio. Who's a cha- are you uh, sharing our Facebook? I'm very poor at it, <laughs> but I can. Well, I'll learn how to do it now. Uh, Peggy will teach you. She's she's really good at that. And she oh, just, uh, And if you're out there listening, you can go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook and watch us live until they shut us down. And then <laughs> I heard uh, Ron Calgill talking about that yesterday. Oh yes, and he and he's right. It's like it's it's they've got it out for us, not him. They love Ron Calgill. He can play any songs he wants. He can play them all the way through. You know, he can do anything. Yep, he called yeah, you out several and, times. And Randall's yesterday. nodding. Mm-hmm. He's going like because um, Mark sleeps in on Saturday. I guess I don't know what it is, but he listens on Sunday. Uh, or he's saving it all up for one big. Yeah, well, he might be one big smackdown. Uh, okay, we've got some okra in the studio here because those of you who caught the last show last week know that uh william called in i did i had to yeah i had to because <laughs> i was I, w- I was dissing okra mm-hmm. and he uh gave me you didn't bring an okra okra dish though did you well oh. now that you mention oh, it no oh my goodness well we got i don't want to give anybody free advertisement but how about that we a did store bring that shall shall be <laughs> ah. <laughs> we did bring some okra chips now what i wanted to bring you was a bendy masala my wife is a fantastic cook and she was going to make it but they can't find any fresh okra now. So give mm. me a minute to find fresh okra. Maybe in the spring there'll be some fresh coming All up. All right, from and then I will issue the invitation again. You're welcome and to I'll, come back. I'll give you some. But these are okra chips. You've got to try them. This Okra chips? Yes, mm-hmm. okra chips. Like like kale chips? Similar but better. Uh, so. Oh, no. Okay, we'll give go. it a go. Right, Grab right. you one. 
I'll grab a small one. Okay. But they're dry. They won't have that same Oh, that's true. They won't, they won't be mushy. Mm-hmm. Right. And we do have am I gonna, un... Am I going to break a tooth when I bite into these? <laughs> Turn it the other way. Turn it the other way. Other way. There. Start okay. on that. <laughs> now, come on. Give me a second. <laughs> Got to absorb the flavor. Not bad. Never had, Thank you. Never Not had bad. dried okra like Okay, this. world. Mike Novak is officially sorry. <laughs> you can buy this? Yes. These okra chips? Mm-hmm. Just like that? Oh, I see. At I a see store that shall remain nameless. I see. Why not? We should give them a plug. Um, Why yeah. not? The Fresh Market. Yeah, well, these are from the Fresh Market. Okay. And, they, and you, can buy, you can buy them and some other things. But. All right, I'm going to have one more. Mm-hmm. Please do. Ellie, you should come and try one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And We'll get Ellie and Randall to try them, too. On Facebook, Joey Baird just wrote, there are 135 varieties of okra in the world. Wow. That's from our friends, the uh, Wisconsin Vegetable Gardeners. Uh, that's Joey Baird. And he's, you know, he's not busy now because uh, their show shuts down after October. How and, you doing, Joey and Holly? How you guys doing? Oh, you know him. I know yeah, Joey and Yeah, Holly. we're all part of <laughs> So uh, glad you guys are listening. How many varieties of okra? He says 135. Thanks, Joey. And see, Joey's not, he's a northerner. I'm surprised uh-huh. that he knows that much about okra. Yeah. I came up here and no one knew what an okra was like 20 years ago. I, I was growing okra. People were like, what's that strange plant? I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's okra's a staple in the South. It's like, it means summertime for us. Mm. Oh, well, and for me, it means. Oh, that's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) And see, I knew okra growing up from uh, a recipe called Brunswick stew. Oh, okay. Hey, you got to understand, my mom never fixed okra. So I have no no frame of reference here. And what was the thing you saying? What's a stew? Brunswick stew, which Which is is what? An old Southern recipe, actually, um, in Colonial Williamsburg. They serve it at some of the taverns, and and it now they serve it with chicken, but it mm-hmm. could have been rabbit or whatever type of meat, potatoes, <laughs> corn, tomatoes, okra, and okra giving it and making it healthy. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm laughing here because you're getting okra crumbs all over the counter <laughs> here. It's like people are gonna go, what? What's that? I'll just up ah, okra crumbs. Don't worry about it. Well, now I assume that when you make a chip like that because it's got salt and it's got probably olive oil Mm -hmm. in the process we probably lose most of the benefit of the plant in its original form when it's chipped it's not nearly as healthy as when it's raw i I love it raw if i could have found something raw i would have brought some to you raw and i would not have eaten it (laughs) well you i would have brought you the burgundy okra and it's much less fun well it's pretty i i I think Mm -hmm. growing it is wonderful It's it's a beautiful plant it's an amazingly beautiful it has a it's a sister to the hibiscus so it has that same hibiscus flower and it and it fades just like hibiscus lasts for a day. The okra flowers last for a day, mm-hmm. but they put so many on there. So if you grow yeah. a good okra plant, you can get flowers from July all the way to September here. Well, and I like that too. I like a plant that uh, will extend your season without any effort. So, mm-hmm. all right, you're, you're, we're we're doing the the pro and con list mm-hmm. here, okay? Right, and, right. And the pro. Uh, the list is getting larger and larger. Yeah, that, yep. That's all I've asked. I was going to say <laughs> gu- gumbo is one of the other. Big dishes. It's that, a main ingredient yes. in gumbo. Uh, Nancy Bender uh, writes, my family loves fresh okra from the farmer's market, uh, either grilled or oven roasted with olive oil and salt and pepper. There you and, go. And, and that's what I assume this is. Nancy, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> from from a health standpoint, it provides a lot of fiber, folate, and vitamin K. Mm-hmm. Vit- that There is no such thing as vitamin K. They're making that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I don't believe. I don't believe there's a vitamin K. Not for it a second. It also provides some iron, niacin, phosphorus, and copper. K 
Keep keep going, Peggy. Wow. Keep going. It's also a source of antioxidants. Okra seeds contain something I can't pronounce and flavonoid derivatives, both of which have been linked to a lower risk of cancer. The gumbo itself contains quercetin derivatives, and both pods and seeds contain phenolic compounds believed to have antioxidant, antimicrobial, and anti-inflammatory properties. This is off Medical News Today. Now, this is just the okra propaganda, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Eat more you okra. Know, I, I, I want a balanced report here. Now, can we hear from the other side, please? <laughs> no, that's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing that in. Uh, I have been okratized. <laughs> Right. I think I, I just and coined. then the dried pods are great for arrangements and mm-hmm. wreaths and things like that. Oh, I was going to say yeah. doorstops because they got a pointy end and a larger end, and you can just put it. Uh, or or doorstops. And they there are seeds all along these pods here. So so could could you plant those? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can plant them. You save them for the winter. Use them as decoration. And then you plant them in the spring. Okay. There you go. The uh, the okra posse is here in the studio. <laughs> right. Brought to you by the Okra Institute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, what else? Uh, I know you've got a couple of other things going on that uh, you wanted to chat about. I kind of want to talk about the holidays for, for just a bit because we're coming up on, uh, on, on Thanksgiving first, but then... Uh, you know, the big holiday, and we're having... Uh, well, there's several. Now. I mean, it's just like holiday uh, central here is what happens. Once you get once you get past Halloween, it's like it's all holidays all the time. Basically. All holidays. I'll wait like through January. We just keep going yeah, and celebrating. So uh, we're going to be putting together some wreaths down at Sundays at Gallagher Way. Uh, that's right across from Wrigley Field. So it's right by Wrigley Field. Okay. And so basically what we're going to do is we're going to have people come out. Kids are welcome, and we're going to make wreaths and evergreen winter arrangements that can go out in the garden. Wreaths, of course, can go anywhere, but we're trying to put together uh, things to extend the season because I realize six months of winter is rough on me. That's a long, that's <laughs> yes. a long, that's it a is. lot of winter. Well, and then that's why you do things like wreaths because yes. it's mm-hmm. almost as good as gardening. It's you know, it's it's related to it, and you get to smell the evergreen stuff, and you get to smell them, and you have that presence of something green in mm-hmm. your in your garden or on your door or somewhere near you. Because you look outside. I mean, I love Chicago. I am a transplanted Chicagoan. I'm here for the for the foreseeable future. <laughs> but that wintertime is just a beast because it's so gray. So to have something green to look at, whether it's you know, in your front door or you know hanging from your kitchen counter or whether it's in the garden as you walk out to the car, you get to see something green. It's just it's just something we're trying to do to give a little bit of um, vibrant vibrancy to mm-hmm. the wintertime. And uh, I'll ask the same question I asked about the bulbs is, do you have a preference for material that you use for wreaths? Are, are there particular conifers that you like? Uh, I think, actually, there are a lot of different ones that work well, and they work well together. Yes, yes. So we're going to have, um, at our event, we're going to have yews, spruces. I'm trying to get some pines as well. Uh, firs are phenomenal. I love firs, but it's just... Firs are harder to get. So so those those four, we'll, we'll have those three for sure. We'll have the spruce, we'll have the yew, we'll have um, the pines, and we're going to try also to get some of the firs. Firs have that just soft texture on mm-hmm. them. They're, they're softer than the spruce, uh, a little bit more neat looking than the pine, but all of them work really well together So if, if you can combine them. Um, I don't like juniper quite as – junipers are beautiful, though they can be, but junipers also are kind of scaly and they yeah. – they, uh, they fall apart really quick. So, so as you're walking around the house, however, I have to tell you what I did. Was it last year? Was it? I can't remember. Was yeah, the, was it was last year? Last? No, it was the year before. I think. I don't think it was last year. I had a juniper growing in my backyard. A volunteer. Yeah. You know, juniperus 
Virginiana. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, and I saw it when it was this big, you know, like three inches high. And I went, oh, there's a juniper that a bird pooped out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> By the time I cut it down, it was about nine feet tall. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I just kind of let that it grow to see what it would do. But then it started getting in the way yeah. of, of, the, of things back there. Juniper I, sidewalkers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, I cut it down on Christmas Day. Uh, and I put my juniper tree up in my house on Christmas Day, and it was beautiful. Oh, that's a and cool it worked, way to do it. It, it worked great. Yeah. It's, so if you've got a volunteer juniper you don't know what to do with, save it for Christmas and then put it there. And the other thing I do is I cheat with my containers in the front of my house. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut some of my evergreens around my property, and if I'm looking for boughs to put yeah. in there, boxwood actually works very nicely uh okay. it, it will turn yellow by the end of the winter but, but you got a few good few but, weeks out yeah of it. you get you get a good few weeks out of it and you know there and as you mentioned use you use can, are great you can throw <laughs> use in there and yeah. and you know what else do you want to do with the you you the in, my instinct is to cut them all down anyway so uh you're looking can we at talk me about like, the you monster for a minute because <laughs> that's that's one of, that's one of the issues I have is that is that is that we is that in Chicago in particularly people plant these yews in front of their windows or right by the door, and yews are not bushes they're trees, and so ten years later they can't see out their front window they're ducking to get in their door mm-hmm. and they're okay with it and I, you see this all the time when you're riding along <laughs> it's either a yew or a juniper monster in front people should. Plant your use further from the house, people. That's the one advice and I would give you. Assume it's, but yeah, but then their urge is to hack everything back and and keep pruning it within an inch of its life. Every people want to cut everything into boxes and, and circles. I Until don't know it escapes I, from them because it, it always escapes <laughs> sooner or later. You it's know, it's going to be too tall, and they're going to just let it grow, and then it just gets too too out of control. No. So it happens quite often. But that's 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 how I got some of the you uh, branches going to use. I went to a friend's house who had a you monster. And, uh, I, love, I love the idea of a U monster. All right, we'll we'll talk more U monsters with William Moss. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our eighty thousand engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. 
meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. Well, it's not exactly a Thanksgiving song, but it's one of my favorite gardening songs of all time. Let it rip. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got William Moss, the garden boss, in studio. You wanted to give out an address <laughs> for your event coming up. I did. This is called Winterland at Gallagher Way, what I'm talking about. And the workshops are held down right in that new Wrigley Field Plaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's on Sundays, the first three Sundays in December, the 2nd, the 9th, and the 16th. We're going to start at noon. And like I said, we're making those reefs. And we're also going to make And this some- is outdoors. Well, no, we're going to be indoors when we oh, make it. Oh, you're going to be indoors. We're going to be okay. indoors when we make it. We're going to be indoors when we make it, and then we're making it so you can sit them outdoors. Like you were talking about yeah. putting your cut branches in your pots. We're going to do all those things so you can have either a pot for the outdoors to kind of be an arrangement. You can bring it indoors, too, I guess. There's nothing wrong with bringing mm-hmm. it in. You want to bring it in for a day or so. Mm-hmm. But then also we're going to make those reefs. So it'll be down there. I'm trying to find the yeah. exact address. I just shared the event on Facebook. Fantastic. Okay, yes. But it's December 2nd, 9th, and 16th at noon. So it there you is go. 3637 North Clark Street in Chicago. There you go. Right and, across the street from Wrigley Field. And you can go to the Winterland at Gallagher Way Wreath-Making Workshops page on Facebook to the event. Uh, order your tickets on Eventbrite right there or show up at the door. Same thing. There we go. All right. All right. Now I'm going to drag you into the muck and mire. All right. Come Uh-oh. on. Uh-oh. Uh, the controversy uh, over leaves, leaving leaves on the You've seen things on this, right? I know. I, I have, and I'm, I'm highly opinionated, so good. I want you to. Uh, all right, you, I want to hear what you've you got. You put forward, you okay, put forward put, the argument. Well, here's now. what happened is that I just posted a thing on our Facebook page uh, earlier this week, um, and it was a uh, from Garden Rant. Okay, you're familiar with Garden mm-hmm. Rant, and you know, and, and people. And what can, is Garden Rant? Garden Rant is a place where people rant about gardening on the internet. <laughs> on the internet, they, you go to gardenrant.com, and then you'll see people mm-hmm. like you, very opinionated people, yes. and people like me, very opinionated people. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we had posted on our uh, Facebook page of, uh, several months ago an article about leaving the leaves from the Xerces Society, who I think they're terrific, you know, because mm-hmm. they're protecting our insects. And, and they said, basically, uh, you might want to consider leaving leaves uh, instead of just always raking and blowing and bagging and mm-hmm. hauling, hauling them away. And I took a photo, actually, I was driving in Evanston uh, the other day, <laughs> and I saw the guys blowing and mm-hmm. raking and bagging mm-hmm. and mostly blowing and bagging. There's not a whole lot of raking not, that goes not on. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> and there was this one... Uh, area where this is this one house that was completely stripped bare it was like green lawn and the other was covered with leaves and they were right next and there was a line of demarcation mm-hmm. it's was, it was like somebody you know a uh, 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 a guy before a baseball came, game came out and did the line chalk yeah. lines that yeah. they do there and there it was um and so i took a photo of that uh and then i saw the the thing on garden rand the very next day and uh, and it was uh, Elizabeth uh, Licata, 
who uh, who said uh, I uh, not so much. I'm I'm not in favor of that. She's she's uh, to to give her credit. She's into the nuanced approach, which is. Um, you can stand some leaves in your yard, but she thinks there's kind of a tyranny of people who say you should leave your leaves. And my response was, no, what you don't get is the tyranny is from the blowing and bagging people. That's where the tyranny is. And and she's you know saying that by leaving the leaves on the ground without uh, shredding them, you're going to ruin things, and you you really have to. Um, it's it's anti-science is kind of what she was saying. The science shows that there's there's no science that proves that you should just leave the leaves on the ground. And my feeling was, I said to her, uh, I I appreciate a little more laissez-faire attitude in the garden with a laissez spelled L-A-Z-Y. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. And um, we went back and forth a little bit and then I just kind of let it drop. Um, so you said you're opinionated about this. What's your, what's your side of the story? I'm highly opinionated, but I should, I should qualify because it is nuanced. If you got a nice lawn, if you're trying to keep a nice manicured lawn, you got kids that need to play on the lawn, then it is best probably to remove it from the lawn because it will, it can form patches. But if you're talking about in the garden, or like at my aunt's house, which is a big struggle with me. My aunt has this beautiful woodland in her backyard, yeah. and she gets all the leaves taken out. And I'm like, why are you letting all those nutrients go? <laughs> <laughs> so, so if it's in a garden or woodland or a place like that, leave the leaves. Run over with the lawnmower if you want to to get them, to get them shredded so they'll decompose faster. Yeah. But that's a bunch of nutrients. Why do we bag our leaves up, sit them on the counter for the, for the municipality to take them and then – Send them to some place where they make compost, and then next spring we go buy or our not. own, and we pay them to take we, them away. We, we but pay might... them to take them away, and then we go buy more compost to add to the garden. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a ridiculous loop. Less if you've got the space. If it's a if it's a nice woodland area, if you've got good perennials out there. They all love to receive those nutrients back, and also it'll help feed. The, it's the whole thing. The worms can help the detritus. The worms, the pill bugs, the millipedes can turn that detritus into good compost. So if you want to run over them with the, with the lawnmower and break them down, I'm all for that. That makes perfect sense. If you got a lawn and you want to keep it clean, that makes sense to me too. But but to take every leaf off from around your trees and your shrubs and your... And that's the other thing they do. They're like this one yard I was looking at. They'd blown them completely out from under the shrubs and the trees. Bare ground everywhere. Yes. Yeah, it was bare ground everywhere. And that's, my, that's the problem I have is that yes. I think folks... I'm not worried about too many people leaving their leaves and causing problems. That's not the issue. I'm worried about too many people blowing them all away. And as you say, maybe they'll get composted, but might, maybe they'll end up in the landfill where they yeah. become not not carbon dioxide, but methane. methane. So, 15 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. Or 27 or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever statistic you believe about mm-hmm. methane. It's uh, So that's my issue. And that's that's where I, you know, and, and I believe in nuance. Actually, I do. I, I, I think that's great. And I think if if all people were, they got it, they understood that, well, maybe we could we'll le- put fewer leaves on the lawn, let a few of them break down yep. there because they still provide nutrients to your lawn. Yes, they do. And what mm-hmm. I do is... I rake all the leaves into my garden beds, but I'm not particularly careful about how I rake. If some are left on the lawn, I don't care. And I don't have a very big lawn. It's just a little airy mm-hmm. patch in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So I don't care, really. And I've never had an issue. No. I've and, never had an issue. And what you notice, if you do this for a few years, if you notice that that layer just keeps getting used up and get used up and going down. By the summertime, by next summer... It'll yep. be a very thin layer. It won't be what You it won't is. even know that there were leaves there. They don't you even look like leaves anymore. You won't even know. Yeah.
All right. Well, yeah, I guess he's on on my team. <laughs> yeah. We're great for once, Peggy. <laughs> we have a question came in um, from Andrew who says, William Moss is great. Thanks for having him on. But do you have a regular place that you appear in Evanston or elsewhere? I work a lot with the Chicago Botanic Garden. And um, thank you, Andrew. Uh, we are thinking very much of starting to do um, garden walks um, on a monthly series and, and then garden chats on a monthly series, too. I mean, I just have to get more involved in the social mm-hmm. media. And I, and, I, and I will do that. Thank you, Andrew, for, for suggestion. Oh, and we just got a great question from Zan before we go. I've been reading about the risk, and one of the recommendations is to not leave dry combustible leaves up against the house. So leaving them on the lawn uh, risks leaving combustible material near the house. Uh, I'm not sure what that, uh, but the th- my thought is, well, yeah, if you live in an area that's that's susceptible to fire, that that's a different story altogether. A whole altogether. different story. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole different story. We're not, we're... So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Zan. I appreciate that because, yeah, if now we're in complete, I mean, looking at the California and the videos and so forth. Here's my solution for that. So, so, so for some places, like when I'm in Georgia or other places and I'm doing it, what I'll do is I actually will like dig a little trench or a hole and I'll put my leaves in there and then cover them up with soil. I still don't want to take away my nutrients. You know, so, so that's right. what I've done in the past. If, if, I, if it has to be neat and tidy, then I will put the nutrients under a little layer of soil. Or if it has to be neat and tidy, compost them. Put them in your compost pile. Put them pile. in your compost, yes. And then bring them out in mm-hmm. the spring and you know, put the leaf mold on your garden bed. But, but you grew those nutrients. Why are you giving them away? <laughs> <laughs> Keep those nutrients. All right. You worked that, hard for those nutrients. <laughs> yes, that's William Moss, the garden boss. Go to getoutandgrow.org. Thank you so much, buddy, for coming in again. We're going to do it again real soon. Yes, we will. Always good to be here. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy (laughs) Malecki. More coming up. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer Asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. In uh, the second segment today, we're going to revisit the issue about uh, horse-drawn carriages in the city of Chicago. We're hoping 
that we get a phone call from Alderman Brian Hopkins of the 2nd Ward. Um, I ran into him at a meeting the other day that some of you might have read about and some of you are following. It's another issue. It's not about horses. This is about the uh, what they're calling Lincoln Yards, which is the uh, North Branch Industrial Corridor mm-hmm. um, that is being developed very rapidly. Um, and that's an issue we're going to probably discuss on the show Next week, um, Alderman Scott Wagesback says he will be with us on the 25th. So a week from today, we'll talk about that. And I know a lot of people are interested in that. There's been a lot of coverage about it. There's been a lot of coverage about it. And I went to that meeting on Thursday, um, and there were probably, uh, I saw the reports, people were saying somewhere 100, 150 people. I think that's what it was. Yeah. I know you told me somebody said 500. It one was, of the reports said 500. Yeah, I don't think so. It was probably one of the the, the supporters thought there were 500 mm-hmm. people there. I, it, it was a lot, It was a full house. Yeah. When I, when I saw reports of 100, 150, I said, yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Um and, um, you know, the issue is what's going to be put there. Is there going to be enough open space? Uh, how is the process? Is it going to be transparent? Is there going to be a new TIF area created for that? Uh, TIFs are very controversial in the city of Chicago anyway, on and on and mm-hmm. on. So we're hoping. And, and the uh, hideout is involved in this, which is a, a, a tavern um, that is uh, that has been around for a century. Well, actually, the tavern started just after Prohibition, 1934, but the building's been around for a century, yeah. and um, a, a lot of music is played there. It's a great music venue, and uh, folks uh, have fondness for it. Now, the question is, what's going to happen to the hideout? Because it's smack in the middle of all this development. So... Um, I went to that meeting and it, it got pretty heated. I got to tell you, folks, it got it got very heated. And I'm not going to go into it today. I'm just kind of giving you a preview here that we're going to talk about it next week. So get your questions ready. Get ready to call us next week about that at 877-711-5611. Um, did you see the thing I posted on Facebook yesterday about the uh, Canal Shores Golf Course? Yes, I did. I've, I've I've kind of seen some background things on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, you posted that. Well, I didn't know anything about this until I saw the uh, newsletter from Friends of the Chicago River, mm-hmm. and it was a done deal. And I hadn't heard. I don't know how I missed this. Did you know what was going on? It's been being fought. So what it is is there's a private pre- piece of property by Canal yeah. Shores that has no road to it. Yeah, and but, they've but been trying is, to get is, a road. This is not the same issue we talked about last year, is it? It's related. It's related to it. So instead of putting it in the what was the name of the woods there that they were Isabella Woods. Isabella Woods. They're putting it on the golf course. Is that the idea? Is this the same road? Because I don't know. It's the same property, I believe. It's an access road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they and, and what they say in the article is uh it's gonna be built on the uh the tenth hole, basically. Something tells me we'll be talking about this coming up, too. I got a feeling we will be talking about this. I have to get uh, somebody. Well, and 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 that order was uh, done by the uh, Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago on a five to four vote. Sounds like the Supreme Court, doesn't it? Uh, I, or was it a five to four? Wait, let's see. What's it was, one... I thought it was fairly close to split. I don't... It, yeah, well, I think it was split. Uh, one. Two, three, four, five. Yeah. Uh, it was a five to four vote. Um, the uh, the votes for the road were Kenneth 
Duncan, Martin Durkin, Carrie Steele, David Walsh, and Board Vice President Barbara McGowan votes against the rover Frank Avila, Josina Morita, Deborah Shore, and Board President Mariana T. Sparopoulos. So, uh, so that apparently this is going to go through, and I guess it had been quite controversial. They had uh, a, a big meeting about it, and hundreds of people showed up for that uh, in the Evanston area. And this is not going to make Rick DeMaio happy because that's his golf course. <laughs> Um, that, you know, I've played with him there and it's a great place to walk and, you know, it's going to disrupt the waterway there. It's going to disrupt nature. And, you know, there's no way you can build a road without causing some kind of mm-hmm. disruption. So, yeah, I was kind of, kind of stunned to, to see that. So I posted that. The other thing I posted this really unbelievable if you, and, and a lot of you probably have posted this or seen this someplace else but there's an amazing video drone footage yeah of the devastation caused by the campfire in california um and i was transfixed watching this and you can go to the mike novak show on facebook and see that um it's unbelievable and 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 as they say the whole town is gone and i heard this morning coming in there's what 1,200 people or 1,300 people still missing? Yeah, the number keeps growing. Yeah, now it might be that they're, they they got out of Dodge and they haven't been accounted for. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's frightening. It's really, really scary. So, okay, uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to go back to an issue that we've discussed on the show before. Should the city of Chicago have carriage horses, carriages and horses, uh, if so, should they be regulated? It's very interesting and very complex. We'll have more on this. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED grow lights. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, moving the garden to your living room. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X. The award-winning all-electric SUV and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at IllinoisSolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. 
Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018 and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Hi, this is Ron Calgo from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. Brasil, abre a cortina do passado, tira a mãe preta do cerrado, bota o rei Congo no congado, Brasil, Brasil. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, back on April 1st, it mm-hmm. was April 1st of this year, uh, we had uh, a discussion on the show with uh, Jody Whitaker, and that is how you pronounce your name, right? Whitaker. Whitaker? Okay, Whitaker. It's not <laughs> Whitaker. Okay, okay Whitaker. Just make sure I get it right, because everybody <laughs> pronounces their names differently. Right. Jody Whitaker. Um uh, she's uh, with the Chicago Alliance for Animals and um, also the founder of Partnership to Ban Horse Carriages Worldwide. And we talked in studio about that issue in Chicago. Uh, we'll go into the – well, let's go into the details of it because uh, this is something you've been watching for several years, right? Yes. And um, last December, now almost exactly a year ago, the city of Chicago – um, introduced an ordinance, and uh, the the ordinance would basically uh, ban a horse carriages in Chicago. Um, it's in the Committee on License and Consumer Protection. Um, Jody, you say that you've got 28 aldermen. Did I see you might have added another alderman to the list? Uh, no, I think if you're thinking of Alderman Joe Moore, yeah. he's been added to the actual website. There's, uh, We've had 28 aldermen have told us they support the ordinance, but they all are not listed as co-sponsors on the city clerk's website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, and so it's has sat in the committee now for almost exactly a year. Uh at the Committee on License and Consumer Protection, because that's where the licenses come up. And, and basically, by removing the licenses, not letting, not allowing them to, to, be, to, renew their to be renewed, that would end this in Chicago. Uh, that has been kind of controversial, uh, because uh, it just refuses... Well, Emma Mitz, who is the, the committee chair, uh, she's from the thir- 37th Ward, um, has declined to take up the measure. In fact, there was a meeting in September where she got kind of heated, and if you ask me, it was kind of deflecting it by bringing bringing some other issue up. You know, we've got so much crime in the street, why are we discussing this? Well, Emma, (laughs) you know, we elect you because we assume you can walk and chew gum at the same time, all right? you know, Alderman Riley, when she brought that up, said, you know, with all due respect, this is the Committee on Licensing, and whether... Uh, businesses who break the law routinely should get their licenses renewed. It's not the the Committee on Public Safety. Right. And so you had uh, uh, several co-sponsors of this ordinance, and one of them is the alderman that we hope will call. We're waiting for a phone call right now. Mm-hmm. He might call. He might not. I, I don't know. This is live radio. Uh, we hope that Alderman Brian Hopkins from the second ward calls to talk about this because he's one of the people who signed on for the you 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 the original bring... spot one of the original sponsors. So one of the, the who were the original sponsors? Alderman Hopkins and Alderman Riley. All right, so those three. 
Uh, the, or, or just those two, two, rather. Yeah, and then Alt Alderman. Hopkins, and what about Alderman uh, Lopez Lovett. is a co-sponsor. Uh-huh. He's an original co-sponsor, and mm-hmm. there's been many co-sponsors who've been who've added themselves on since uh, since it started. So basically, we've got an ordinance that is ready to go. That 28 aldermen, by far a majority, um, well, three <laughs> more than a majority, uh, say they will pass, uh, but it can't come out of committee. Because Unless, of one person. Well, you know, and, and it kind of sounds sounds to me kind of like a Mitch McConnell kind of thing. You know, you get if you're in charge of a committee, you get to hold stuff up and not submit it to a vote. Well, she blocked the vote in September. She didn't allow it to be on the October committee meeting. We met with her on the Monday before the Thursday license committee meeting to urge her to put it on the November uh, meeting for a, for a hearing and a vote. And she uh, escorted us out of her office. Because we point, we basically asked her, you know, she, her claim in September was she needed to have meetings with all parties involved mm-hmm. to learn about the issue, to learn about what's going on. We never received a call. She hasn't had meetings. She told us she hasn't had meetings. All right. Now, uh, and we've got a call coming in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. All right. Um, in all fairness, I, I need to say that after you were on the show in April, right, thank I. Thank you. Oh. Uh, okay, we've got the uh, alderman here. All right, Alderman Brian Hopkins from the Second Ward. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? I'm good. How about you? Good. Uh, we appreciate uh, having you uh, on the show to talk about this. Uh, we were just mentioning that you're one of the original sponsors of this ordinance. Uh, tell us about your your ward, the Second Ward, and what kind of interaction do you have with the horse? Uh, in carriage industry in your ward? Yeah, sure. I, I am one of the original sponsors of this current manifestation, but of course, uh, other aldermen in the past have attempted to do something about it. Uh, more recently was Alderman Riley, who's my co-sponsor on this. Uh, at the time he last attempted this ban or a modified version of it, he was the alderman of the area that I now represent, uh, which includes uh, Water Tower Park, and the current staging area uh, for the carriage industry. So um, this has been something that uh, I inherited when I took over that uh, location and when the second order was created. uh, He briefed me on what was happening and and what the opposition was, uh, and I told him at that time that I would take the baton uh, and and see if we can get this thing across the finish line. So that's where we're at today. Uh, We seem to get a little closer with each attempt, and uh, I feel very confident that uh, we will eventually pass this ban. Why do you think it has been held up at this point? Well, you know, there's a variety of uh, possible answers to that question. I would say in this most recent uh, go-around, the answer is quite obvious. Uh, the chairman of the licensing committee uh, just simply does not uh, favor this. And she used her gavel and she used her prerogative as committee chair uh, to deny us a vote. I fully believe we had the votes in committee that day uh, when this was last heard before the licensing committee. Uh, Had we been able to successfully get a roll call motion to support it, uh, I I believe it would have passed and it would have gone to the full city council floor where it was also likely to pass just based on our informal uh, survey of my colleagues. So the committee chairman uh, used a parliamentary maneuver to prevent us from going forward. And, uh, you know, she's someone we're going to have to continue to work on because this measure is appropriately in her committee. That's where it belongs. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, as long as he's the uh, chairman of that committee, uh, we're going to have an obstacle to overcome. Uh, I I would be interested in your personal observations um, about the industry. Um, Jody Whitaker is here in, in the studio with us in, in her organization. Um, Chicago um, Alliance for Animals has documented, they go out, they sit out there and they, they watch the horses and their allegations are that the uh, horses are overworked, that they, there are violations of city law there. And the city law, Jody, what says six hours? A horse is not supposed to be used for more than six hours? Right, six hours in a 24-hour period. And you've documented horses being used much longer? Almost every weekend. When, uh-huh. when we're available to be out there, every time we're out there, we witness them being overworked. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple weeks, um, three or four weeks ago, a uh, horse was worked approximately 13 hours, more than double the amount of time allowed. Yeah. Now, and and, <clears throat> and in defense of the industry, if you go to their websites, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because I'm going to – they – I invited them to be on the show. Um, they declined uh, unless they call right now, and they can at 877-711-5611. We'd love to hear from the Horseman's Council of Illinois, uh, I have been in communication with them, and they're welcome to call right now. Uh, but and, and you did post a statement from them on yes, and, on and the blog. Um, if you go to my blog, I I have their side of this uh, links to their arguments uh, and their argument. Uh, if you go to a, a lot of the different sites about horses, they say that horses can be worked um, for twelve hours with no ill effects. All right. However, that's not the law in Chicago. The law says six hours. Um, have you encountered, uh, anything, Alderman, um, uh, yourself, uh, in, have you been, uh, uh, approached by any other people other than Jody and her organization about the, the use of horses in Chicago? Do you have concerns from your constituents? Well, interestingly enough, the issue really, um, came to, to light in a, in a very uh, dramatic way for me, uh, while I was a candidate. Uh, I had not yet been elected as an alderman, and I was at a house party uh, hosted by a local resident who happens to live on Pearson, and there were some uh, middle school students there from Ogden School, and they came up to me during the event and said that they had uh, done a class project for their, their civics class, and they polled the students to pick an issue that they could bring to an aldermanic candidate, and the overwhelming response was, uh, to ban the horse-drawn carriages that these local children had observed and just felt it was the wrong thing for a city to be doing. And that was the issue that they asked me at that time if I would agree to take this issue on if I got elected. So I made a, a campaign promise to uh, a bunch of kids who are still several years away from being able to vote. <laughs> but, <laughs> it, you know, it, it was something that meant something to me and it meant something to them. Uh, so part of what I'm doing now is uh, keeping a promise that I made to some middle school students. You better hope something gets done by the time they're 18. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, or at least uh, graduating from college. Yeah. Well, uh, were you going to say something, Jody? Uh, no, I was kind of uh, laughing. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so um, uh, we have not had uh, serious accidents in the city of Chicago, from what I understand. Yes, we have. Oh, we have. When? Yes, and the, the, Illin- the well, the last serious one that we know of is 2014, um, and uh, on the Illinois Horsemen's Council, they say 
uh, in their statement, proof of this is their perfect 37-year record with not a single serious accident. Well, four children were sent to the emergency room in 2014. I, I consider that serious. Yeah. And I have two uh, two uh, documents here from a Freedom of Information Act request where horses have gotten loose. One was uh, uh, rolled over the driver. Um, this one was running at large on the public way on the in the area of Division and Wells. Um, just because nobody was hit by that horse doesn't mean it wasn't serious. If a, if a thousand pound plus animal had hit someone or a car, someone could have died. So those are serious accidents. Plus, a policeman told me in June that he saw a horse collapse at the stand. So just because there aren't documented, we, there are documented incidents. So this is a complete lie saying that they have a 37-year record with not a single serious accident. Okay. Uh, and the other thing is you've uh, you've documented uh, violations of the law, and they go to the uh, Business Affairs and Consumer Protection Agency. Uh, and as you've said to me, your uh, what you've witnessed there is that the fines, which could amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars, have been largely dismissed. Is that right? As far as we know, uh, I got a call in January from an attorney with the ACP who told me that the, the city was taking all three carriage companies to court. Uh, each day over the summer before the trial, I got a, an email saying I was not required to attend to testify because the city settled. Um we don't have the details on that of those settlements, uh, and I imagine you're trying to FOIA those. Oh, as well. definitely. Uh, we haven't. I mean, been... to get any information, it seems like you have to go to the Freedom of Information Act. Right. Exactly. I mean, and we did all the work. We did. We did the city's work by documenting these violations and and doing the work, submitting them, looking through hours and hours of video um, evidence, and we are not told what happened at those hearings or those settlements. But we are pretty darn sure that they were required to start following the law, and they still are not. I mean, oh. like I said, every weekend since uh, September 1st, we've been out there almost every weekend, and we've witnessed violation after violation. Uh, Alderman, are you aware of uh, what's going on at the uh, Business Affairs and Consumer Protection Agency? Has that uh, uh, information crossed your desk at all? Uh, yes, it has. I haven't seen the, the terms of the settlement, but I will say it's it's really not unusual for the uh, department to settle a case. Um, you know, these types of laws, they're uh, considered administrative violations. They're not uh, criminal violations. So fines of various amounts are the typical remedy that the city, uh, that the city seeks, along with the, a promise of future compliance, um, which, of course, as Jody just stated, doesn't seem to be um, honored in this case. But, um, you know, the city has a lot of laws on the books that are not aggressively enforced. And unless there's a squeaky wheel, which we certainly have here with the advocacy community, um, in many cases the city just doesn't have the manpower uh, and doesn't have the inclination, frankly, for violations that don't seem to be, uh, you know, the type where there's a massive outcry. You, you have to create your own environment for enforcement, and then you have to see it through. It's not an easy process. It doesn't happen on its own. Laws don't enforce themselves. And I will give Jody and her organization and some of the other supportive advocacy groups credit uh, for their tenacity. If it wasn't for them, this matter would have certainly faded from the city's radar screen uh, months ago, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So continued advocacy and continued vigilance is required uh, anytime you have this type of violation. 
Well, in the statement from the Chicago Carriage Horse Operators and the Horsemen's Council of Illinois that I posted on my blog, uh, they state that the BACP does not monitor carriage horses and that the BACP is complaint-driven. And they write, if the carriage industry was so blatantly breaking serious and dangerous rules, where are the accidents, where are the multitudes of people complaining about us? None, because there are no complaints. Um, And uh, that's their side of the story. They're saying so they're saying because there is not this volume of complaints uh, that the two of you have alluded to um, that there's no issue here. Well, everybody who in CIA who documents, we all work full time jobs. So we get out there when we can. And the city is not doing its job. Like the alderman said, they don't have the manpower to do the job. All right. Um, we're going to need to take a short break here. Alderman, is it possible I can get you wait for two minutes and then uh, wrap this up? Uh, I, I won't hold you very much longer. Sure. Okay. Thank you. That's uh, Alderman Brian Hopkins from the Second Ward. Uh, in the studio, we have Jody Whitaker from the Chicago Alliance for Animals. Um, your comments out there in Radio Land are welcome to 877-711-5611 or on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will continue this conversation when we return. Did you know that there are 17,000 chemicals used in the array of common household cleaners? But only 30% of these are tested for side effects on human health and the environment. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The average household has 3 to 25 gallons of toxic materials in the house, most of which are cleaning products. When buying cleaning products, avoid anything that bears a poison label. Duh! but especially products that contain diethylene glycol, formaldehyde-based deodorizers, triclosan, phenols, petroleum solvents, perchloroethylene, and other hard-to-pronounce stuff. Check out sites like EWG.org, who have done the homework for you already. Or make your own. It's an easy, non-toxic solution. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com. Or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased to have on the phone with us right now Second Ward Alderman Brian Hopkins. Uh, in the studio with us is Jody Whitaker from the Chicago Alliance for Animals. We're talking about the uh, horse carriage 
ordinance or carriage horse ordinance, uh, if you will. It goes both ways. Uh, in the city of Chicago, whether it will be passed, and that's actually why I wanted to keep you over just a little bit longer, Alderman. How does this process work now? Let's say it does not get passed this year. Let's say that nothing comes out of committee before the end of the year. Do all the licenses get renewed for another year, and then we're we're back to square one? Well, there's an opportunity to challenge the license renewal process, too, uh, although that's certainly a, a more difficult uh, avenue to take. Um, but I imagine that all the violations that have been documented in the last 12 months will, will come into play uh, as the carriage industry seeks to renew their license. But absent this ban passing, uh, which we had hoped to sunset all the existing licenses, yeah, they, they are going to have the opportunity to seek renewal. Um, and if we reset the clock and start over either with a different ordinance or if we're able to get this one uh, to, to move, um, you know, where it's currently stalled in committee, um, by the time that happens, it's likely that many of the existing licenses will have been renewed. So, you know, we're looking at uh, another battle next year uh, to try and get this accomplished. Uh, and uh, that's something that you are afraid of, uh, Jody, that this is going to, as I said, perhaps even go back to square one, we start over again, you have to continue to document because you've been documenting. You have a lot of documentation from 2017. I assume you have documentation from 2018 as well. And then now that's going to go into 2019. Right. And honestly, we don't want to be standing out there for 12 hours. That's not what any of us want to do. We don't want to be harassed by these people and being flipped off and getting smoke blown in my face by simply documenting. We don't talk to them. We don't talk to the passengers. We simply are down there to document when horses are being overworked and violations of the law. Um, but, you know, this is not what any of us want to do. And I think that hopefully what Alder, the alderman said about uh, trying to block the process of getting these licenses renewed should be looked at in, within the next two weeks because, uh, I mean, we've got uh, September 1st. I've got at least 14 violations. My colleague's been down there almost every weekend. I don't know what more we have to prove to the city that they are refusing to follow the law. All right. Uh, I'm going to let you go in a second here, Alderman. Uh, Before I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a quick question or two about the meeting that was held. And we'll get back to the horse conversation, Jody, in a second. Before I let the Alderman go, though, I just wanted to chat with you briefly about that meeting that was held uh, on Thursday uh, about the TIF uh, district being created uh, in the North Branch Industrial Corridor. So it's, it might be called Lincoln Yards. We'll see what, what it ends up being called, this brand-new neighborhood uh, that's uh, going to be uh, created there. Uh, the concern at the meeting, and it was, and you know, you were there, I was there, it was very heated. Um, the concern is about, I think, mostly two things, open, open land and process. And let me ask you about the process. Most of the cries at that meeting were to slow it down. Uh, what can you say about the process uh, as it's laid out? And I know, and I know, part of what you're going to say is that we've been, it's been going on for years, for several years, this process. Uh, but the people there in the neighborhoods think it's still going rather quickly, and that it doesn't need to happen before the mayoral election next year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's highly unlikely that final decisions on the Lincoln Yard uh, development will be made before the, the next mayor takes office, whoever that uh, individual turns out to be. Uh, and I've committed since day one 
that this process would take as long as it needs to. I personally am in no hurry, and I want to see all the questions answered. I want to see an open, engaged community process, which, by the way, we currently have. Uh, and, and I'd like everyone to have the opportunity to express their opinions and get their questions answered. If that takes six months or six years, uh, it'll take however long it takes. And, and I feel the same in this case um, with, with the TIF uh, proposal. Although I will say that the procedure that we're following right now is laid out by law. Nobody's you know, cutting any corners here. There's a certain number of public hearings that are required before you can get to a final vote on authorizing a TIF. And that takes months in and of itself. So we're going to proceed with that. And everyone who's suggesting to me that they need more time to get their questions answered, uh, my response to them is, give me your question. <laughs> I, I agree. I've got questions of my own on this. And I'm not going to approve anything until my own questions are answered. So let's get it all out there right now. This was only the first of what will be several hearings on this proposed TIF. Um, you know, your listeners, I think, will be interested to, to know that this TIF could be a funding mechanism for the North Branch Park and Preserve. You know, it has a price tag of approximately $200 million, and the Park District's current annual capital budget for the entire district is less than $30 million. So just to put that in perspective, what we're talking about here is an extraordinarily expensive project uh, on the scale of a Millennium Park. And if it is going to come about to reality, we're going to have to look at all potential funding sources. And this is just one of them. So any open space advocates uh, that really want to get that project across the finish line have to be open to considering TIF as part of their funding mix. Well, they're worried about where the TIF funds are going to go, too. Uh, that that's, you know, t- TIFs in Chicago have uh, a murky history, uh, let me say. Uh, and so this is uh, the concern of a lot of people that the, this this is a cash cow for certain uh, industries and not others. How do you address that? Sure. And I started the meeting by addressing that. Uh, that may have been the first time I went on record saying it. Um, I'm going to be saying it probably hundreds of times over the next uh, couple of months. Mm-hmm. I will not allow any TIF dollars to be spent for any private subsidies. Under this new proposed TIF, if it does become law, uh, there will be restrictions in it that prevent the money from being used to go directly to developers for any reason uh, that would uh, enrich them or or provide a subsidy for their private project. The only dollars that can be spent from this TIF are dollars that governments normally spend on, like roads, bridges, sewers, schools, parks, open space, all the types of things that you would expect to be paid for by public funding, that would be the limitation on this TIF. So the argument that this is going to go right into the pockets of developers is 100% false, it's wrong, it's inaccurate, and the people that are advancing that argument are doing so for their own political reasons, and they're being untruthful. All right, last question. You're going to continue to protect the hideout? Uh, Have you talked to the Teutons since uh, the meeting? They've been in touch with my staff. I think we have a, a meeting uh, set up, I believe, in the, in the next week to sit down and go over this. Um, I, I'm not sure uh, how enthused they actually are about the idea of landmarking. Uh, currently, I know they, they want to continue operating, and they don't have any changes that are planned. But, of course, landmarking a structure does place some limitations on it. Uh, but it also provides some, uh, some tax credit opportunities as well. So I think they want to sort through that and see if it nets out as a positive to them. Um, but the entire campaign to save the hideout 
uh, really resonated with me. I personally, I'm a hideout patron myself. I've been going there for years. I love the place, just like uh, anybody who, you know, who uh, enjoys great music and, and knows the history. Uh, I'm committed to saving that, uh, that bar and to have them continue to operate no matter what the uh, redevelopment plans eventually become for Lincoln Yards. I saw the ordinance that uh, you uh, proposed on, uh, I guess it was last Wednesday or Thursday, The uh, uh, and that doesn't mention anything about landmark status. It's merely uh, a, a, a zoning change. Um, how does that figure in? Right. Well, there, it's a two-step process. It's a zoning change to reflect the current use of the parcel. Right now, the hideout is considered a non-conforming use. In other words, what's there does not match what the zoning requirement is. And that's because when we eliminated the planned manufacturing district uh, with just broad brush strokes, we turned the entire area into a manufacturing and industrial district. So that's what the hideout is, is currently designated as. And, you know, clearly it's not a factory and it's never going to be. So the zoning designation that I, that I gave it is uh, to match what it currently is. And that sends a signal to the development community that this parcel is not available to be rezoned for, you know, a residential high-rise or a soccer stadium or anything else. Uh, it takes it out of the conversation and gives it the protection that it needs to currently exist as it does. The landmarking process is a separate process that begins by filing an application for a landmark study. And I gave the paperwork to Tim and Katie that evening who were there. Um, and they, they have the opportunity now to fill it out. It's actually a, a very simple process. It's a one-page form uh, that you just uh, fill out and submit uh, to start the process of consideration. They can do it uh, as the owners, or I can do it as the alderman. Um, I would actually prefer that they do it just because, you know, that, that shows their commitment uh, to saving the hideout. So I'm going to have that discussion with them, and we'll take it from there. All right, Alderman, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time, uh, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Thanks, Mike. All right, have a great day. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here. So what are your plans, Jody, moving forward regarding the carriage horse uh, ordinance? We'll keep doing what we've been doing and documenting violations, uh, You know, submitting those to the city, trying to follow up on those to see if they were cited or fined. Um, you know, what this comes down to is it no longer is about what I believe about horse carriages or you believe or what horse carriage proponents believe about this trade. It's about the fact that they continue to break the law, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, you know, no business in the city should be allowed to break the law more than 300 times in one year and get their licenses renewed. One of the questions we posed to Alderman Mitz when we met with her on the Monday before the last license committee, before their licenses are renewed was if there was a quaint, romantic restaurant in the heart of the Mag Mile that drew in tourists, yet they broke the law 334 times in 2017, would you be okay with their license being renewed? And she had no answer for me. That's a, a really good mm -hmm. way of putting it. Um, and uh, I wanted to add, sorry, I wanted to add ahead. that uh, the Hor Illinois Horsemen's Council continues to uh, say these things on their statement that are very untrue, and they they give the statement of the American Association of Equine pra uh, pra American Association of Equine Practitioners that says they support the humane and ethical use of horses in urban environments and horse carriages, in accordance with federal, state, and local laws. That's the that's the rub. They're not in accordance with local laws or state laws. Mm -hmm. So they can approve it, but they're not 
approving uh, organ, um, a trade that is following the law. Uh, if folks want more information, where can they follow you? Uh, Chicago Alliance for Animals on Facebook and at Shy Animal Rights on Twitter, C-H-I Animal Rights. And I want to let everybody know I have the, the horseman statement on my blog, so I've got that laid out as well. You can check all the links. I'm trying to give them as much time. They were invited. They didn't show. It's the way it goes. Rick DeMaio next. And now for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December back in 1 B.C. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to frozenrobins.com or contact me, Mike, at mikenovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. I want to be around to pick up the pieces. Yeah. When somebody breaks your heart. That's kind of mean, isn't it? Oh, well. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> this is uh, going out to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Somewhere out there in internet. <laughs> Randall's shaking his head because he expects us to get shut down right now. Stop no, that was poking the bear. <laughs> I know. That was po- Sinatra they were talking about yesterday. Yes, hey, this is Tony Bennett. This is different. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. On the line, we have meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Rick. You got to say it right. It's Antonio de Benedetto. <laughs> okay. Seriously, you just you mm-hmm. you just said it. Is, is that is that really his name? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I and then know. he shortened it to Tony Bennett. That guy's got the best voice. He really does. It's He's like, like nine... it's like a silky smooth, yeah. silvery kind of cloud that just kind of comes and goes. You know. I saw him sing just a few years ago at Ravinia when he was what. 87 or something it was yeah. unbelievable the guy's like 92 or something right now and he's still out there doing it. 
How does he do it? I have no idea. Well, it, it, it's I don't know. He he just stands up and he just kind of like he pushes the note through from mm-hmm. from the diaphragm up to the throat and. When he's done, he sits down. Yeah, well, no, you're right. You don't know. No, the thing he does, he's turned singing into a science. Um, and right. he's a right. practice, you know, the, the vocalizing is, is pure technique. I once heard a, right. an interview with Paul McCartney who said, Oh, I don't know. I never warm up. I just go out and do it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, you're blessed, dude. Okay, because other, yeah, other people... Yeah, he is blessed, yeah. Yeah, other people have to do it like Tony Bennett, which is practice, 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 and do all the vocal yep. warm-ups and techniques. Uh, to, but it's paid off for Tony, mm-hmm. that's for sure. It certainly has. And he's kind of figured out how to, uh, you know, kind of glom on to the, 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 hot, the hot singers of the time and... And then, well, you know, obviously, him and Lady Gaga did some good stuff. Together oh my gosh! As well. And yeah. he's he's just so smart and savvy, and he and he knows that <laughs> that good music is good music, whether it's right. by, by yeah. your contemporary or somebody who's much younger than you. So he's, he's you know. And and speaking of one of his you know famous songs about you know San Francisco, uh, you know that whole area, even though the fires have been generally to the east and the southeast of them. You know, terrible air quality. Yeah. In fact, National Weather Service has actually declared an air quality uh, day again for all of Central California. Um, now we're talking about, you know, air pollution, you know, and poor air quality due to the wildfires. And I was just looking at the last visible satellite, Mike and Peg, from that area right around Chico and Paradise. And the fire is still going. It's actually still smoldering. It has not been put out. Yeah. Um, and then clearly, you, you look at the devastation, and I I don't know. I mean, I, I I've talked about this before, both in my natural disasters class and in my climate change class. And you know, you can kind of you can kind of cross over from one to the other. I was with my my friend John Davis, who Mike we were with a couple of weeks ago yeah. yesterday, and I said, so John, what what do you feel? when people, you know, immediately point to climate change. And we both kind of had the same answer, which was like, I don't know, you can't just blame it on climate change. You have to, you know, blame it on, you know, maybe poor mismanagement of the surrounding area. I don't think Trump was too far off in what he said in that in that realm. Uh, and yet I think y- you have to go back to saying to yourself, are we building too many homes close to areas where there could be fire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could there be more resources, you know, pushed into that area from the federal government? You know, he, Trump came out and said they need to rake the forest more. You know, what a what a dumb thing to say, first off. But in, in, in a way, he's kind of right, because I think we need more money from the federal government to realize that climate change is making these areas much, much more vulnerable. And unless you are figuring out how to reduce vulnerability through adaptation mitigation, this is going to happen year after year after year. So I, I think him going out to California yesterday was obviously important, but he still has to have someone tap him on their shoulder and say, dude, whether you believe this or not, it's happening. So you have to start releasing federal dollars and research to figure out how to keep this from happening. Otherwise, it's going to bankrupt the federal government. Well, uh, okay. In terms of climate change, one of the things I've heard is that when you have two degrees warmer someplace, um, as like California, uh, you have you're, you're getting in some cases more rain. But then when you have the warm spells, even a couple of degrees 
makes a difference in the evaporation rate, which makes things dry, drier and more susceptible to fire. Right. Yeah. With, without a doubt, and, and and I'm not saying that climate change is not part of this, but it's not the main reason. So you got to be careful about how you just go into this. It's also the fact that humans have identified certain intervals of risk as if it hasn't happened in 15 years, let's go ahead and build. And even though these areas we knew were susceptible 20 or 30 years ago, we're still probably probably trying to build in certain areas right now that we know 15 years from now are going to be paradise and, and the Napa Valley area all over again. So if we go 10 years without this happening, that doesn't mean that during those 10 years we should be doing nothing about it. I think that's the argument here. It's not just climate change, but it's trying to figure out that this stuff needs to be researched and researched well. And it was actually kind of interesting. Trump is in between Jerry Brown, the outgoing governor, and Gavin Newsom, the incoming governor. And, and at one point, I almost felt like Gary, uh, both Jerry Brown and Gavin Newsom just wanted to literally just level Trump <laughs> at that point mm. and tie him up and bring him into a room and say, this is what needs to be done. Stop saying stupid stuff. Stop just coming out here with a USA hat on and actually doing something about it. And I think it could be done, but you need to have some someone go in there and say, look, stop talking about what you think or not think is going to happen and actually do something about it. And, and we need to get to a forecast, but very briefly, you were talking about air quality, and I was, again, listening to something on the way in. Part of the problem is we're not just burning uh, plants. We're not burning shrubs and trees. We're burning... Uh, asbestos, we're, we're burning houses, yeah. and all yeah. the chemicals yeah. that we put into yeah. those, we, mm-hmm. we've not yeah. encountered. Yeah. And then that yeah. haze yeah. sits there for days, and people right. are sucking it in, and we have no idea yeah. what the results of that are going to be. Right. I, Mike, I agree with you. It, it's, there's so many, so many problems that become bigger once the event becomes catastrophic. And I don't know how many more times we're going to see this, but it's, it's definitely... Um, Something that is, is happening now annually. You hate to say it, but it's going to happen again. So, again, real quickly, forecast. Uh, we had about an inch or two of snow yesterday. Obviously, mm-hmm. most of it's melted. Another inch actually fell overnight to the south of us, and we may get another inch tomorrow night with the strong cold front that comes through and reinforces the chill over us. But the good news, Wednesday, probably low 40s, uh, and then Thanksgiving Day looks great, mid-40s. And then we have a pattern change, which means rain for California, and that means milder weather for us. And, of course, now they're worried because of all the, the, the brushes gone. You're going to get that rain, and you're going to get mudslides. Uh, boy, they can't win, can they? No, they can't. But this, even if this rain comes through, we're thinking maybe two, three, maybe four inches, not the six to ten inches that would produce the mudslides. So I'm not, I don't think we're going to be getting into any, anything like that anytime soon. Okay. And uh, pattern change here. You said rain for California. What does that mean for Chicago? Uh, milder weather. I think uh, the overall 10 to 12, 14-day forecast beginning on Wednesday uh, probably looks to be more seasonable with temperatures in mid to upper 40s. But as my friend John and I were talking about, this looks to be a very, very active winter season. Uh, we're going to go back into very active weather in the month of December. And a lot of it is, believe it or not, is tied to what we ended up having uh, in the month of um, October, which was very, very active tropical storm season in the Atlantic and typhoon season in the Pacific. So all right, it's all related, guys. Thank you, Rick. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. Uh, thanks to William Moss, Jody Whitaker, Alderman Brian Hopkins, uh, Rick DeMaio, 
Randall. Andrew's here. Andrew sighting and Ellie. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.